Modern Esther podcast is designed for Christian women who God has called to a career. Our goal is to identify the modern Esther in all women and to leave you feeling empowered with the mission to glorify God in your vocation. Welcome back to the Modern Esther Podcast. I'm Danielle Pickenpaul, and I wanted to wish everybody a happy Easter weekend. Um, Amy, unfortunately, couldn't be with us today because of traveling and scheduling conflicts, so we're really going to miss her, but she wanted everybody to also have a happy Easter, and she um, is thinking about you all. So um, we just we didn't want to postpone this um, or miss a week because we wanted to make consistent maintain consistency for our listeners. So we wanted to go ahead and um, go ahead and record this. So I'm all by myself today. So I hope that you guys don't get tired of listening to my voice. I'll try to try to spice it up a little bit, but I definitely want to thank everybody for listening. Um, I know last week was exciting. We had a special guest host, Amanda Harris, as she shared a little bit of her perspective on for such a time as this. She actually wrote our blog post um, this past week for such a time as this and just her perspective. And it was a different blog post and I thought it was wonderful. And if any of you guys are interested or have any thoughts about being a guest blogger, um, and participating in this podcast in some way, please let us know at the Modern Esther Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, please check out her blog posts and previous episodes and blogs at themodernesther dot com, and we also post the links to Facebook. Um, so yeah, check out all of those things. We're super excited um, to continue to see how God is just um, blessing everybody and what He's you know what He's doing um, this week. We're going to pick up in Esther 5, and this is where Esther is about to approach the king. And now something I found very interesting about this is that there is this book called the Apocrypha. Now, the Apocrypha in the Greek means hidden, and so today kind of le- kind of this word usually refers to a series where mostly pre-Christian or religious books are a part of where they are not officially a part of the canonical Bible that we know today as Old Testament and New Testament. And originally in 1611, the edition of the Apocrypha was included in the King James Version, and it was inserted between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But in later editions, they decided to omit these versions as they weren't necessarily um, as important as the other versions. Um, so I still do believe that they are historically accurate. Um, the only reason I mention these is because there are several additions to, uh, chapters in the book of Esther that I find very interesting and important, and especially for today's topic. And one of them actually records a prayer that Esther prayed. And I just wanted to read some of the expert excerpt of some of it to you also, This is right after she tells Mordecai that she's going to fast and pray. And so this is part of that recording. So I'll read. It says, Queen Esther, also being in fear of death, resorted unto the Lord. And I laid and laid away her glorious apparel, put on garments of anguish and mourning. And instead of precious ointment, she covered her head with ashes and dung. She humbled her body greatly in all the places of her joy she filled with her torn hair. She prayed unto the Lord of God of Israel, saying, O my Lord, thou art only our king. Help me, desolate woman, which have no helper but thee. For my danger is in my hand. 
Now, this is interesting. For my youth up, I have heard in the tribe of my family that you have taken Israel from among people and our fathers and their predecessors for a perpetual inheritance and has performed whatsoever thou did promise. Now, I know this is King James, but she's basically saying to God, I've heard of you. And that, and we're going to talk about that later because that's really interesting. From my youth up, I have heard of you. And then she says, And we have continued to sin before thee. Therefore hast thou given us into the hands of our enemies, but we worshiped their gods, O Lord, you are righteous. So she's admitting sin of her and her people about how they have been given into the hands of their enemies and they have worshiped other gods. Then she cries out to the Lord and says, Give me boldness, O King of the nations, Lord of all powers. So she is acknowledging him as King of kings and Lord of lords, which up until this point, we didn't really know where her faith was. So she is acknowledging him and no one else as her king. She says, Give me eloquence which in my mouth before the lion, which would be Xerxes, turn his heart to hate him that fights against us. So him meaning Hamath. So turn his heart against Hamath that fights against us, that they may be an end to Haman and all who are like-minded in him. So all of Haman and his company. But deliver us with your hand and help me desolate. I have no other help but thee. So she is just crying out to God. And it's beautiful. And she's so pure. And she doesn't almost really know what to say. Just, I've heard of you. I love you. We're bad people don't choose Haman, choose us. And it's just very, very raw. Um, So then, you know, we kind of pick up in Esther 5 and we see on the third day of the fast, Esther is about to approach the king. So here we pick up Esther 5, 1 through 5. It says, on the third day of the feast, Esther put on her royal robes, entered the inner court of the palace, just across the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her, held out the golden scepter to her. So Esther approached, touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, if it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his attendants, said, tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. Now, um, this is really great. You know, like when I first read this, I was like, boom, goes the dynamite. She's fierce. She prayed. She walks in. She's not scared. Or is she? Because if you go back to the Apocrypha, it has another account of this. And it again, accounts it's on the third day. And it says that her perfection was beauty. Her countenance was cheerful, but her heart was anguish and full of fear. And now listen to this. Then having passed through all the doors, she stood before the king and his royal throne. She was clothed with robes of majesty, all glittering in gold and precious stones. But he was very dreadful. Then lifting up his countenance that shone with majesty, he looked very fiercely upon her. And the queen fell down, was pale and fainted, and bowed herself upon the head of her maid that went before her. Then God changed the spirit of the king into mildness, whose fear leaped from his throne, and took her into his arms till she came to herself again and comforted her with loving words and said unto her, I will give you half the kingdom. Now, 
This is crazy because first, we don't see her going with any maidens. Then we see her, okay, I'm going to go with a couple of my friends because I'm scared. Then when she goes up there, we think that Xerxes is so excited to see her that he doesn't look fiercely upon her, but he does. He's terrified. like, Or she's terrified of him because he looks mean at her. So then because of that, she gets so scared that she's about to die that she faints. But it's kind of a God thing, right? Because if she didn't faint, then he wouldn't have leaped off his chair. And like it says, God changed the spirit and he comes down to her and he says, you know, I'll give you whatever she wants, which kind of makes sense because when when you read the biblical version in the Old Testament, not the Apocrypha, but what it actually says in scripture, I was always confused about why Esther asked for a banquet later that day. Like it didn't make sense to me. I was like, uh, girl, he's just said to you, I will give you whatever you want, even if it's half the kingdom. I mean, this is the time to ask him for anything. Now, I've never been any good at relationships, but just being recently married, if my husband said, I'll give you anything, I mean, that's the time to ask him. So why is she like waiting? And now knowing that she's passed out, she's sick to her stomach. Um, she's gone through this entire physiological response. So she probably doesn't even really know where she's at. So the best thing that she could probably think of is, do you want to have dinner with me? So of course he's going to have dinner with her. It's a very simple request that he could do. He's got to eat anyway, right? Men love food. So the best thing that she could think of was bring your best friend, right? Bring the man that you trust the most, who's also made this decree. So they he they do, and that's later that day. So now we pick up in Esther 5, 6, and 7. While they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, now tell me what you really want. So he understood, you know, that she's had a rough day. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. Again, the second time he said, I will give you whatever you want, even if it's half the kingdom. Esther replied, this is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king, grant my request and do what I ask. Please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I've prepared. So now she's asking him again. So a lot of scholars think that maybe she was, some scholars believe that maybe she was too scared. I think that if the Apocrypha is accounted truly, she's tired because what happens when you pass out is your autonomic system has just entirely messed up your body, okay? Your parasympathetic system has overshot your sympathetic system, which is responsible for your your wake cycle, okay? So what happens sometimes when a person passes out is they go into this fatigue state for the rest of the day, and it takes a little bit for their body to adjust. If anybody's ever given blood, right, and they go to the doctor and, they, and they're scared of needles, they get very, very excited to give blood, okay, then when the needle goes in, they realize that it's not so bad, but then they pass out. Well, they pass out because they start relaxing and their one system tries to compensate for the system that made them so terrified. So I know that's a lot of jargon, but regardless, for the rest, if anyone has ever passed out, for the rest of the day, they're tired, they're weak, they could even be dizzy. So that's probably what's going on here if she did pass out. And so she doesn't have enough energy or spirit left to ask him what she's going to do. Because if he says no, then what she also has to face the fact is that she has lied to him that she has been a Jew this entire time. So he could get mad about that. So she, I think, does the wise thing here, right? 
and says, you know what, just come back tomorrow. Thank you so much for coming today. And of course, he agrees. Right. So now we're going to go ahead and skip chapter six. It's important, but not necessarily for our humble obedience section for today. So we'll go right to um, Esther chapter seven, verse one. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet on the second day. So the second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. So again, this is the third time he's asked her. Queen Esther replied, I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we have merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet. For that would be no, that would be too trivial to matter of a matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing, King Xerxes demanded? Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? He's just appalled. Okay, so he doesn't even realize, you know, like what's going on. He's just like, who would want to kill my queen? Then she says, the wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. Haman's terrified. He realizes immediately right then probably that Esther is a Jew. He's issued this decree. It's already been signed by Xerxes. The king jumped to his feet in rage and went out to the palace garden because he probably would have killed him there. And it goes on to, um, you know, for... It goes on to state that Haman tries to beg for the queen's mercy, but Xerxes sees this and thinks that he's coming on to the queen and attacking her, and so that doesn't look good for Haman. And at this point, nothing that Haman says is going to be trustworthy by the king. So Haman gets issued um, to an assassination, and, um, and then we'll talk about what Esther requests from her king later to save the Jews. But... What is very interesting, um, you know, about all of this is how, for me, what God was kind of showing me was the different ways that Esther obeyed and kind of the new, the new things I learned. Um, Esther was definitely a humble servant, and I knew that, right? Like she had to go before God, and she demanded the whole entire Jewish nation to fast. But she wasn't the hero that I imagined, and. You know, I mean, for a woman to be passing out, I mean, she makes it more human. And I don't know if I liked that, to be honest. I didn't know if I liked that or I didn't like that, if that made her more attractive or less attractive to me, simply because I think that I just wanted someone to just be heroic and kind of not humane in in the Bible. And I want and I wanted it to be a woman. But at the same time, it's beautiful. Like, how beautiful is it that God took this ordinary girl and called her to do this extraordinary thing? Like it says in Hebrews thirteen twenty one, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever. And again, that just brings back to the point that like you can be you know, a hero for Christ, but you're never going to be, you're never going to be that hero for you. And he is going to shape you and he is going to mold you. And how you get to those steps has to come first with humility. So 
that brings me to the second step is, can you obey God if you're focused on your own journey? But more than that, can you succeed in the journey he's called you if you're too focused on your own, right? Like if you're going to be the hero, if you're going to say, I'm going to do this, God, I got this, I got the smarts, I can do this. And then you go ahead of the king or to your boss or to your family or whatever it is. And then you're like, no, I can't. I'm too stressed. There's way too much going on in my life. I need you. And then before you know it, you're on this other path that that wasn't what God called you to do anyway. And even though maybe his path might've been a little bit different and honestly going before the king to break a huge law that may have cost you your entire life, that was his plan and he was protective and he was redemptive in that. Um, Esther was prepared. And it said in Esther 4.16, she was prepared. She would be executed uh, for coming to the king that day. She said, if I must die, I must die. Um, it says in um, it says in Matthew 14.25 through 30 that it states like this whole story where Jesus is on the water. And, and I want to talk about this story really quickly because it's, it talks about Peter when he jumps out onto the boat. So it says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But he said, but he saw the wind and he was afraid and began to sing and cry out, Lord, save me. And then Jesus pulled him out and said, Oh, you have little faith. And it's kind of funny because Peter always takes, like, you know, a hard time for this, but he was the only one to jump out of the boat, you know? And he's walking on water, but it's soon as he gets a little bit of doubt that God's not going to save him. Or, and some scholars believe that he took his eyes off Jesus and onto his own feet. He fell. And so, can you succeed in the journey God has called for you if you're focused on your own plan? Well, obedience is harder during times of struggle, I believe, than during times of a spiritual high. So, one of the biggest obediences, examples, excuse me, an example of obedience that comes to mind for me in scripture is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. It says, whom sh- the Lord says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And I love that. And if, if you you know, if you grew up in Bible school, you know this verse. It's so inspiring. It's like, yes, here I am, send me. Send me into that workplace. Send me into that mission field. I've got you, God. I've got you, God. I remember literally saying that. It's totally backwards. Um, but if you actually look in Scripture, Isaiah's not saying, I've got you, God. The whole um, verses one through five, it, Isaiah is describing the side of God, which many did not get to see because as it says in Exodus 33 through 20, when God is talking to Moses, you cannot see my face for man may not see me and live. Many people were not allowed to see God and live. So here is Isaiah actually being able to see God, describe God, and live through it. So he's on this huge spiritual high. 
And God is not asking Hosea to to do it. He's not demanding him to do it. He's not even saying, this is your first such a time as this. He's just saying, who will go? And so Isaiah seeing all of the majesticness of Christ, or excuse me, I shouldn't say of Christ, it's, it's of the Lord, and is saying, yeah, I'm in. He's not saying, God, I've got you. He's saying, I want to be on your team. Let me sign up for your team so you can have me. And I just kind of equivalent this as to when you ever, if you were growing up and you went to like um, camp or you go on a retreat with some girlfriends now or there's a, a women's conference at church and boom, you come out of it, you're just ready to fight the devil and cast out demons and everybody. I mean, you, you've just never felt so high. You just feel so refreshed and you're like, here I am, God, send me, sign me up for your team. I want to fight for you. Um and that's just in complete contrast to where Esther was. You know, it's easy to obey in those moments when you are riding high with Jesus. But when you are looking where Esther was, where she didn't really know God, I mean, you can see that from her prayer. She's like, I've heard of you as I grew up. But it almost makes me like reading that prayer feel like she never really prayed to God before. And this would maybe, or if very, if she had very few times, and it was very distant. And then towards the end of it, you see her just getting very real and very raw, and her heart was pure, and she was desperate. And um, maybe like that was the part that that God saw. You know, here she here he's taking a woman that is not in any way, you know, strong enough in personality. To go before the king. She's completely meek, it seems like, co- co- contrasting to my previous thoughts about her. She doesn't have a strong relationship with him, even though she humbled herself before him and realized her need for him. And that was all it took. You know, one of the main reasons that I personally didn't want to cancel this week was because I felt like I've been struggling with obedience lately. Um, Amy always tells me that I need to share more on this podcast. And I, and being completely honest, it's kind of ironic considering that if you are in my friendosphere or family sphere, you know that I tend to overshare. Um, but for the month of March, uh, dental school has been one of those months for me that um, it's been hard. And we all have those months. Um, I have cried more. In this month, and I can count, I have cussed, I have yelled, I've cried some more. And I can think of one other time in my life that has been this stressful a couple of years ago. And I didn't like myself then, and I didn't like myself now. And and, and it seems like for me, when I, when I have these very stressful times, I'm just always kind of crying out to God. I'm like, are you listening? Like, what's been wrong lately? And I just felt like as I was preparing to do this podcast, like I just had to humble myself to God and be like, truly, God, what is wrong lately? And I felt like he told me, you're what's wrong. Um, Oftentimes we do get in our own way. We ask so much of God and too little of ourselves. We see our problems as massive and we don't see how big God really is. Personally, I question my inadequacies instead of recognizing God extraordinaries. I don't even know if that's a word, but um, I run away from my sin, my failures. And oftentimes I run away from the path that God has called instead of just submitting to Him. 
and important, more importantly, submitting to him daily, um, not just on that spiritual high. Andy Stanley, um, author and pastor of North Point Ministries, said in his book, The Principal Path, choosing the right path begins with submission, not information, not even direction, submission, specifically submission to the one who knows where each path leads as well as where it doesn't lead. Submission to the one who knows what's best for you better than you know what's best for you. When you and I get ahead of God by thinking we can do just fine without his direction or by relying solely on our conventional wisdom, things don't go so well. He goes on to say, divine divine direction comes from unconditional submission. After reading that, my heart kind of dropped because of that one word, unconditional. Um, We have to unconditionally love God and unconditionally serve God, and unconditionally follow God, and submit to God, and obey God. And that's impossible, truly. I mean, we are not unconditional beings. We are not always going to succeed. And sometimes, you know, it can be like this roller coaster effect. Well, I sinned today, so I'm probably screwed up for the rest of the day. Um, But the fact of the matter is we're all going to more than enough times fail, and we're all going to be exhausted, and we're all going to be at our breaking point. And then we're all going to feel unworthy. And that's going to make us want to run away and disobey. But just like Esther, who fainted before the king, Peter, who almost drowned, Moses, who argued with God at the burning bush, and Jonah, who fled on a ship, they were also, we have to remember, that they were also the people who approached a king, saved a nation, the man who, besides Jesus, is the only one who's ever walked on water. The one who successfully led what scholars believe to be around 2.4 million people out of Egypt. That's including women and children. And then the one who delivered a message to a lost people that turned to now be a nation towards God. I mean, God does extraordinary things with ordinary people only if their hearts are willing. So take the time, be humbled, go to God when you are lost and when you need, when you need help. But remember that divine direction comes from unconditional submission. God, I thank you for today and I thank you for what this weekend represents and for your son humbling himself to die on a cross for all of us and going through all of that pain for us and taking on our sins so that we could live in freedom. And God, I'm so sorry that we do not live in freedom enough and that we continue to live in the same cycle of disobedience. But I I also thank you, God, that you give us second, third, and fourth chances to just get right back up on that path that you want us to be on so that we can do extraordinary things through you. And I just ask that we just remember that that we're doing them for you and that we're not doing them alone, that you're doing them through us. And thank you so much for all these women and just encourage them and love on them and let them know that you've got them and you've got them on this path and that you 
are going to lead them to exactly where they need to be. We love you so much. Amen. Thank you guys for joining me this week. Um, Can't wait for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think we're going to be doing maybe two more sessions for Esther. We can't decide yet how we're going to split that up, but it's got a couple of surprises there. So keep listening. Just follow us on iTunes and Stitcher, and we look forward to seeing you all then. God bless.